Welcome to Global Truth Center. So were you tricked? And what I love about that song is um, I love that at the end, John and Fred, John meets Chris. <laughs> he doesn't say what Chris is. Chris could be Christopher or Christine. Or who? Or a cat, <laughs> which I hadn't thought about. <laughs> but it just goes to show you that we think we see and we think we know and we think we understand so much. Um, so here's what's funny about that. So I could go all into family and, and do this whole talk about family, but I'm not going to because something else tickles me more about this song. I mean, I understand family. You know, we all have families, and people think that a family is most likely the relatives that you have, the blood relatives, that's your family. But I frankly believe that your biological family is one part of family, but then we all choose families along the way. You know, who's your chosen family? You know, these are my biological families, and some of them I do choose to still be in a familial relationship with, and some I don't. And then there's the family that I've created along the way. And I've created, haven't you created many families? I've created so many families. You know, in religion, there are families. I had my Catholic family for a while, for a long while. Then I had my, my Christian family when I went into Presbyterian world. And then I had my Buddhist, remember Buddhist? Doug and I were Buddhists together. We had our Gohansons and we were the Broadway Buddhist family. Um, which is really what we were called, the Broadway Buddhists. Uh, and then there was the Barry M. Williamson family, and she's back. Uh, <laughs> you know, so there's all these types of families, and there's the religious science family, and now there's the, the Westlake community that's here, you know, and, 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 and this, is, this is my family, you know, and you all are part of this one family. So we can have that talk, and we just did. So, um, but it was interesting when I sent the song to uh, the woman that does our graphics and I said, here's the name of the song. Uh, it was very funny because she kept sending me pictures of two guys in a bed. And I didn't want to tell her to put a dog up there because I didn't want to give it away. I just kept saying it needs to be more uh, metaphoric. And then it was like it, two guys on a beach. And I, I was like, it's so interesting to me. We just see John and Fred, and we just assume this is what this is about. What if it was about a father and a son? You know, so it was funny. I finally had to say, I wrote her back and said, um, just give me a background color and put it on there. And that's what we ended up with. There it is, right there. Um, so um, we connect things so quickly, don't we, in our minds? How quick do you think you are at making a judgment? Or how quick are you at, at thinking you know what you're looking at? We think we know. So I have a question for you all today. How many people here have ever been wrong? <laughs> My husband has not raised his hand. <laughs> Thus, you see very well into my marriage. Um, you didn't raise your hand either.
Well, they say like attracts like. We both think we're never wrong. Um, okay, so, so we're all wrong. <laughs> all of us are wrong. We've all been wrong at some point in our lives. How many of you have been wrong just today? Right? Yeah. So um, I was driving here, and I, I was telling somebody. Who did I just tell this to? I forget. I was driving here, and I'm in the car vocalizing and singing along to Kevin, actually. I was listening to your CD. And I'm in the car, and, I'm doing, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I don't even notice the police officer. Yeah, because you know I get here in 20 minutes from Studio City. So clearly, I was not going the 60 it suggested. Um, suggested. <laughs> They suggest you go 60 on the 101. Um, I was like around 80. And so I'm going along, and this, all of a sudden, I don't see him until he passes me. And I was like, oh, I'm already late. I don't have time to get a ticket, nor do I want to pay that ticket uh, or go to school for it. And I'm thinking all of this, and the cop comes in front of me, and he just does this. So if you're behind me, he does it, he goes. And he's looking in his rearview mirror. I was like. And then I, I slowed down a little bit. And um, I apparently was wrong, you know? But, but he did not stop me and give me a ticket. He just said, slow down a little bit. That's because I have the consciousness. <laughs> no, actually, it's because Barbara Shane was here probably thinking, he's got to get here any minute. He's got to get here. So her consciousness kept that police officer from giving me a ticket. Um, so, my next question to you is, are you okay being wrong? <laughs> I love that. There's this ripple of people. So, are you okay being wrong? And it's actually a very important question. Because the real question is, are you ever really wrong? Are you ever really wrong? I just saw someone turn to someone and go, yes. <laughs> are you ever really wrong in life? Or is it perhaps... It's not right or wrong, it's just what's going on. And there is a perspective to it, right? Maybe you just think you're wrong, which necessarily will prove you out to be wrong, right? So here's the next question. Is it necessary to be right? Are you one of those people who, <laughs> who has to be right? Is it, do you say not always? Yeah. That's probably the answer. Does it, is it important for you to be right? Do you find yourself agitated when you're not right? These are all very, you're saying yes? Oh, okay, good. We're all reflecting on this today. This is a reflection. So do you have to be right? Is right something? So Gord Vidal says this, the four most beautiful words in the English language is, are, I told you so. <laughs> I know in our house, we use them quite often. <laughs> so I'm going to ask for a volunteer to just do something with me right now, very quickly. Um, I'm just going to ask for a volunteer. So uh, now I'm going to, uh, come on up here, Marty. <laughs> Did you know it was going to be you? That's what happens. Consciousness draws you right to it. When you fear something, it comes right at you. <laughs> okay, you ready? <coughs> so <coughs> I'm going to show you a slide. You ready, Barbara? I'm going to show you, not yet, I'm going to show you a slide. It's my talk title. But I just want you to look at the picture and tell me instantly what you see. Okay, okay here we go. Go ahead, Barbara. What do you see? A sidewalk. It's not always what it seems. That's the title of my talk. See, she sees a sidewalk. Oh, I like it's a car door. 
Okay, you did it. Yeah, you missed my whole point, though. <laughs> How did you miss the spaceship? <laughs> Wait, take that back again. Hold on. So did you say... How many? I'm not wrong. How many people saw a spaceship? Take a look. How many people saw a sidewalk? You and you and Cal saw a sidewalk. Okay, but how many people saw a car door instantly? You saw a car door instantly? Wow, I'm proud of you. Doug, you did too. Wow, what did you see, Kevin? A spaceship. Oh, I can see that. Well, that was Did good. Did I mess up your whole deal here? No, it was perfect because you said okay. sidewalk. Yes. Which is where? Well, I just saw the crack and I thought. Oh, you were looking at it sideways. Yeah. Oh, a sidewalk. See, like I totally see it now. Come over curve. here. Now, what do you see? Definitely a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Thank you to Marty. Marty just finished her first year of practitioner training. <laughs> she's, she's not moving forward. Um, yes, she is, totally. With high marks, I might add. So the title of my talk today is Things Aren't Always What They Seem. So it's very interesting. I, uh, we, we spent the week at Asilomar this week and had an amazing week. The, the, the 16 of us from Global Two Center bonded, it, which is really what it was about. It was for the practitioners to bond. And it was really amazing. But I had a very funny thing happen. I'm glad Liza's sitting back there because it's about us. Liza and I went into Carmel one day, well, with, with uh, Don and Lori, and uh, we went into a cosmetics place just because they were selling something about how you can look younger. So I went in for Liza. And um, <laughs> so we go in and uh, this very, actually I went in because the guy standing outside was like spectacular. He had on, right Liza? He had on this t-shirt, he was like gorgeous, clearly European and like spectacular looking. And so he just started talking to Liza which was my first clue. And then we walked in and he's showing us this stuff and he's doing this stuff and all of a sudden I said, uh, I said, I would, I would really love to bring my husband here to look at this. And he went, husband? He said, she's not your wife? And Liza and I just laughed. Um, but then he started talking to me. As soon as he realized I was gay, he figured, oh, he's gonna want this serum for his face too. As a straight man with this gorgeous woman, it wasn't important for me to have that face cream. It was for Liza. But as soon as he knew I was gay, he put his attention on me, which I thought was fascinating, right? It's not what it seems. Clearly, this was not what it seems. I, was, I must have been in one of my butch straight modes that day. Um, <laughs> they happen. They happen. They just creep up on you, and suddenly you're like, hey! Um, it's terrible. And so, and so, <laughs> ah, so I, so, but that's not even the funniest part of this. So then he asked me what I do, and I said, I'm a minister. And he said, how does that work? <laughs> how can you be a minister and be gay? Does, would anybody really follow that? Now, he is European, 
and, and he was Catholic. So uh, Liza then explained to him, and Liza's going to be shocked when I tell her this, when she hears this. Um, what? <laughs> Did you get his number? No. Um, so he asked us what we believe, and so Liza went on to tell him about the law of cause and effect, um, which he then told us was the law of gravity. He said, he said, you're explaining the law of gravity. And we were like, no. It's the law of cause and effect. The law of gravity is, it goes, well, there are many different definitions of the law of gravity. <laughs> to which we were, but Liza turned to me at one point and said, cut your losses. <laughs> and so, and so, I'm trying to explain to him the law of cause and effect, and he's saying, yes, gravity, the apple. It's all the same thing. And so I just assumed he was misinformed, mistaught. And then he did say, he said, English is not my first language, so I, you know, I might be a little confused, but not much. And I just assumed, didn't we just assume he was wrong? I mean, he's wrong. Don't you just assume he's wrong? He's wrong. The law of gravity is not the law of cause and effect. So. I was so annoyed by this, about this, this concept that, some, that the world could actually believe that the law of cause and effect is the law of gravity, that I went online and read Newton's The Law of Gravity, at which point I had a huge shock. So I'm going to read this. I know it's going to be a little heady. Just follow it. It's very little. I'm not going to read much. Newton knew that the force which caused the apple's acceleration, gravity, must be dependent upon the mass of the apple. And since the force acting to cause the apple's downward acceleration also causes the Earth's upward acceleration, the force must also depend upon the mass of the Earth. So, for Newton, the force of gravity acting between the Earth and any other object is directly proportional to the mass of the Earth, directly proportional to the mass of the object, and inversely proportional to the square of the distance which separates the centers of the Earth and the object. Following? Well, in other words, he says later, and I wish he had said that in the first place, but in other words, the force power, and this is our part of it, the force, the power of our beliefs is the fuel that brings about the, car brings about the corresponding result of those beliefs. Cause and effect. So I guess he wasn't so wrong. And apparently, someone taught it that way when he took it or when he studied it. The idea of gravity is that the force of the object behind the object causes the object to land. The force behind your beliefs causes your life to unfold the way it has to based on the law, the law of cause and effect or the law of belief and result or the law of correspondence, or all the myriad ways we try to celebrate and, and show and demonstrate this law. So scientifically speaking, your mind, now, it's not your mind, though. I mean, it's not your brain. It's not anything in here. It's what is operating upon the brain. What is it behind what's using the brain? That's the force. That is the energy. That is everything there is in the universe is energy, mass, mass. And depending upon the gravity and the, the substance of that mass, 
It'll fall hard or soft, depending on what's the, what's the energy behind it. I could throw something and smash it against a wall. I could lob it against the wall. Your thoughts, your beliefs, you could throw something against the wall and smash it by all the force that you have in you because you don't trust or believe and you think you have to do all the work. Or you can just say, and there you go. Same law, different result. One will smash, the other will land. Isn't that fascinating? So, frankly, it's not always what it seems. Perhaps all the things we think we know, we should try to unknow so that we could be a blank landscape giving us the opportunity to actually see something different, understand something different, know something different. That's our chance this month with this concept of reflection. I think the more we reflect on what we think we know, the more we find out we don't know. I, I would have held on to that forever, that idea. Could you believe, probably it'd be a great party talk. Could you believe I met this guy who actually thought the law of ca cause and effect was, the, was the, the law of gravity? How silly is that? And yet, it's pretty true. And, and if you really read the whole Newton thing, he actually gets into the mind and the consciousness of the mind. It's pretty fat, it's fascinating. So, with all of that in mind, I want to take a look at a sentence from Ernest Holmes. And he says this, trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. And the one who gives conscious power to this thought should be more careful of what he or she thinks. Trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. Now, I know I'm sitting, standing in a room of religious scientists or new thought people or people who want to look at things in a different way, right? So I get it. You understand what that means. Trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. And the one who gives conscious power to this thought should be more careful of what he or she, she thinks. So the problem with that sentence in the beginning, unfortunately, is that <clears throat> who trained the thought? Trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. But you know what? A mind that believes the world is a dangerous place has trained their mind to believe that. That trained thought is far more powerful than someone who's willing to be open to, well, let me just see what I really could find out here or believe. We have trained our thoughts in very many ways, not just the ways of you know, having a good life. We have trained our thoughts in ways where we believe we're less than. It was fun being, I, I was the, uh, I gave, I led the workshop on Wednesday evening. And before I gave the workshop, I really gave some thought to how am I going to present what I'm about to present, knowing that most of the time when I present this, people have a, a hard time digesting it, especially if they haven't heard it before. And it was Wednesday, so I'd already heard everything on Monday and Tuesday, and I was pretty sure most of this room had not heard what I was about to say to them. And I was like, you know, I could go all rogue and just try to make this really, let's see how many stir people I can stir up, um, in a loving way, of course. But I didn't. I was like, I, I, I prayed and I said, you know what? I want this to land. I really want this to land and be easily understood. And it was the whole I am God talk. And so I gave it. And by the time I was done, I was emotionally drained in a, in a good way because the room was like almost elevated. It was so, it was listening. They were listening and they were getting it. And it was like really, pay, I, I thought there were a hundred people there just really paying attention. And then for the rest of the week, it changed the dialogue for the rest of the week. Every person that got up to pray us in said, uh, there is only one power. Oh, and, and I'm it. I am that power. 
And it was amazing watching. And the, the dialogue, what started to come into the conversations was, I am God. How could I not be God? Who would I be if I'm not God? If God is all there is, who am I? Do I think I'm that special? God is all there is. And then there's this little thing out here called me. And I am different. No, I am God. And the funny part was, it was going into the, you're not just a little speck in the ocean. You're the entire ocean in a drop. You are all that God is to the degree that you're conscious of it. So um, trained thought is far more powerful than untrained thought. The one who gives conscious power to his thought should be more careful of what he or she thinks. Well, I know I'm God. I get it. And I know how powerful my mind can be. So I better pay attention to what I'm thinking. Because I don't get to walk around cavalierly thinking that, oh, wait, you know what? I can do whatever I want. It's not going to do that. I, that thought's not going to go anywhere. I get it. My mind will always be creating. Where am I going to put it? So this month of reflection gives me the opportunity to start asking myself, what do I really believe about a lot of things? You know, wh where am I? You know, in November of this year, I had the most traumatic experience of my life. I mean, the most horrific thing happened to me that I would not want to happen to the worst person on the planet. It was just so horrific. Where did I go with that? How do I reflect onto that trusting that I am God, so is Nora, and that my life is unfolding perfectly? This was perfect? That was my life unfolding perfectly? Well, what am I going to say? No, it's not, because that's my, my reaction from a world of form, and say, no, it's not. That is not perfect. I cannot. There's nothing about that that could be perfect. And I know none of you would blame me if I started talking like that. Probably wouldn't want to hear what I had to say afterwards, but you wouldn't blame me but I don't believe that. And that's the quagmire I find myself in. But what I do on reflection realize is I have trained my mind over these last seven months in a way that I wasn't realizing until I was sitting on the beach in Silomar and asked myself why I feel this way. I've trained my mind to believe that things can be taken away from me very quickly. My husband could go in a second. My son, who I can't, you know, you wanna suddenly just hold him and say you're going nowhere unless I'm with you to make sure everything's fine which would only mean we'd both go in a second if that's what was going to happen. So I get that. And as I look at this quote and I see this, the one who gives conscious power to his thought, the person who knows what his thought is doing, should be more careful with what he or she thinks. I cannot afford to think that way. I'm not going to spend the rest of my life worrying who's going next. I could. And where's my life going to go? So I'm asking you, where have you taken your conscious thought and directed it somewhere that is not serving you? That's what we need to reflect on. You know, last week I asked you to reflect on what you want in life so that you could give it some power, give it some energy. But very often we also have to reflect on what do I no longer want in my life? There are two things there. Here's what I want. I no longer want this. This doesn't work for me anymore. How many of us are still standing in the midst of things that don't work for us and we are still allowing them to happen in our lives? Why? Why? 
If Ernest Holmes saying, pay attention to what you're thinking. If you're walking around saying, this doesn't work for me, and you stay there, what you're really saying to the, is, to the universe is, I deserve this. This is what I am equal to. This, only this is what I'm equal to. I can go do treatments up the wazoo. I think that's an expression. And say to myself, you know, no, I am, I am this, I am that, I am the greatness of the universe. All that's great. But if you are also telling yourself, I don't deserve, you know, this is not the life I want to live, and you continue living it, you are telling the universe, forget the words. Treatment's not about the words. It's about your beliefs, your core beliefs, the stuff that you can't pretend you don't have. The universe knows it, hears it, and responds from it. So today, as you walk through your day, allow yourself to pay attention, not only to what you're thinking, but what, is those, what are those thoughts doing? Remember, you're only thinking what you're thinking because you believe what you believe. Your thoughts come from your beliefs. You can't think rogue thoughts. Well, you can, but they're not really based in anything. If you believe the world's a difficult place, that's how you think. If you believe the world opportun has, has opportunity or galore for you, that's what you're thinking. I remember when I first went to New York, I believed New York was so lucky to have me show up. I did, didn't I, Doug? I was annoying, wasn't I? <laughs> but I did. But that's why within a few years, I was starring on Broadway. Why? Because I believe that's what they deserved from me, and I deserved from them. Somewhere along the line, that turned into, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And then somewhere, somewhere along the line, I got to, people don't know what they, what they want. They don't, they don't appreciate talent. You know? and, and those things then project out into the world. So I wasn't getting as many jobs. But I started out with, I am the gift. Now, the truth is, that's a beautiful place to be. But I was coming from a more egoic version of that. The truth of that is, yes, I am a gift. And so are you, and so are you, and so is every person in the universe. But somewhere along the line, we trick our minds into training our minds, training our thoughts to believe something else. So this week, as you go through your week, while I want you to stay focused on what you want, I also want you to start looking at what you don't want. Reflect on what you don't want. Reflect on the things in your life that may be still going on that you don't want. I won't ask for, for you to raise your hands, but what in your life isn't working? What doesn't work? It's not always what it seems. Things aren't always what they seem. You may be over here saying, well, I can't leave this 56-year marriage at this point. That would be ludicrous. No, maybe you should have left it year two. <laughs> and I'm not talking to anyone specifically, just so you know. Uh, or us, definitely not. Um, <laughs> right? We're 31 years anyway. So that could be. There you are standing there going, I can't, I couldn't possibly look at it a different way. I can't leave this job. It's what pays my bills. How many times have you heard yourself say that? Just think about that. I can't possibly leave this job. It's what pays my bills. Well, we'll leave the job. See what else might pay your bills. Or maybe the bills need to go away. I can't, I can't, I can't. It's not always what it seems because the only thing that is always what it seems is that you are God. That's the only definite in your life. That is the only thing that is not variable. You are God. You can live it at a low level if you choose. You can live God down here in, in Lackville, or you can live God up here in Bel Air. <laughs> you can live God up here 
in a wealthy state of mind. You can live God at any, any level of consciousness. That's what's so confusing. Because we're like, well, how could this be God? I don't know, God. How did you get there? <laughs> Think about that. Don't do it to your friends. <laughs> you know those religious scientists that go, well, how'd you get that cold? And all you really want to do is smack them, which is not the best result of using your mind. But the real question for you to ask this week is, how did I get here? Is it where I want to be? Where do I want to go? Stop asking yourself the how. No one's interested in how you're going to get there. First decide. When you make the decision, the way shows up when you know who you are. So what I see out here is a bunch of people who totally know who they are, who have the right and the ability to go and be and do whatever they choose to do. I don't care if you saw a flying saucer, a street corner, a lake, it doesn't matter. You're all correct. Everyone is right. Every thought you have is right. You can never be wrong because the universal law is always going to say yes, whether you tell it it's a flying saucer or if you tell it it's a, it's a crack in a, in a street. The universe is going to say yes because whatever you decide to say is going to take you into the next direction. So I suggest we all spend this month reflecting on what is it that I think I know and then follow my lead when I say to myself all the time, I know nothing. Now what can I know? Namaste. Hi, this is Dr. James Mellon, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message and ask you for your support. Your tax-deductible donation to Global Truth Center ensures that we can continue to provide you with this form of inspiration each week. To make a contribution now, please visit our website at globaltruthcenter.org. Again, thanks for listening. Namaste.